All right, how many people know, man, as we jump into this, that people like controversy? Like, it's just something. People like controversy. It's, if you talk about football, listen, nobody really talks about football unless they just want some controversy. They want to argue about who's, whose team is the best, what team is like number one, like how many championships we have. I know, I know we're in the territory, so I'm going to give you one. You don't get it often, but roll tide. I know they're number one. Woo. And for the four of you in this house, I'll give a war eagle. I'll give a war eagle. You know, like we all have our team, and man, we're passionate about it. We want to argue about, you know, we want to argue about Clemson, and we want to argue about Auburn, and we kind of gave up on Tennessee, and I'm the boy from the north, and I'm still all about Ohio State, even though they can barely beat unranked teams. I don't know what's going on. But we talk about football, really, because we like some controversy. We like to talk about on Monday how our team did or how they should have did or how we're, they're going to they're gonna get there. Our team's the best, and it's almost comical. I love it. I love it. It's awesome. Right now, politics. You know, here's a funny thing. We talk about politics because we know if you get into a conversation, like, you know it's going to be, it's going to get a little heated. It's going to get a little argumentative. Nobody opens a political conversation because you want to have a conversation. We open political conversations because, like, we're going to stand our ground. And, like, we just like to argue. We like to, and it's okay. Like, I'm all about some controversy. I'm all about getting into a discussion and a debate, maybe even a little bit of an argument. But here's the funny thing is, is the crazy part about our desire to be in controversy is so often we refuse to change our, we, we refuse to change our views. We refuse to change our views, which means it doesn't matter how much information someone gives us. Like, we just refuse to back down from what we perceive to be is like our truth. Like, it doesn't matter it doesn't matter if you're here for Hillary. It doesn't matter what's in the emails. You're, you're for Hillary. Donald Trump, if you're for Donald Trump, it doesn't matter. Women can line up from here to China accusing him of things. You're like, Donald Trump. Like, it just doesn't matter. If you're for Gary Johnson, you probably smoke weed too. I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know how anybody can vote for Gary Johnson. I'm just telling you. But whatever. I'm, I'm not. <laughs> I don't know. The devil's lettuce. It has a hold on this nation. What can I say? So, it's crazy. So, but here's the thing is, no matter what your view is, like, we refuse to change our view. Like, once we hold, there are some things growing up. I, these are things that I heard growing up that we just believe were true because it's what we were told. It's what we heard. So here's a couple of, maybe you guys, if you guys have heard these things before, help me out. How many people have ever heard that if you touch a baby bird, the mother will abandon it? How many people have ever heard that before? How many people still believe that's true? Yeah, I mean, it's not true. Like, I'm not encouraging you to go manhandle baby birds, but I'm just telling you, you can go touch a bird, and the mama bird will still come. In fact, might swoop in and white drop you, but it's, gonna, it's not going to abandon. Here's another one. How many people ever heard that like, cracking knuckles like gave you arthritis? Yeah, it doesn't. It has nothing to do with arthritis. Here, here's another one. How many people ever heard, again, I'm, I'm the 70s, 80s generation, so we watched TV Saturday morning, good cartoons came on. Right, and you would sit like five foot from the TV, and your mom, your parents would tell you, "You need to scoot back from the TV. You watch it that close, it'll do what? Hurt your eyes." How many people have heard that before? No, no truth to it whatsoever. There's no truth to it. Uh, here, here's a, here's uh, here's one more. You know, how many people ever heard this? You would go swimming in the summer, right, and then you got to sit out. How long? Right. Well, some was twenty minutes, some thirty, some an hour. If your parents said an hour, you were abused and. But here's the thing is, right, they would tell you because if you eat and swim, you'll cramp and drown. Eat and swim, you cramp and drown. 
Listen, there's no scientific evidence. You can fill up with food, and you may float actually better, but you're not going to cram it around. But here's the funny thing is some of us, and this is, even though I know popping knuckles has no correlation scientifically or medically to arthritis, when I hear someone pop knuckles, I want to say, you're going to get arthritis. Like, I just refuse to change my view. So it's okay, watch this, it's okay to be controversial. It's okay to have a position. But what I want to challenge you with as we dive in today is that if you get appropriate information, and more importantly, if the Holy Spirit brings appropriate conviction, that no matter how dead set you are on your position, that you will at least entertain the option of switching positions, okay? So I just want you to know I'm not here to fight with you today. I'm not here to argue with anybody. Listen, you can write me letters when we're done. You can type me emails. Your your position's not going to change my position. But as your pastor, I hope my position influences your position because I believe today we're going to talk about God's position on this incredibly challenging topic of alcohol. And where we've been through this series, if you're new today, I want to welcome you. My name is Steve Husky. I'm the lead pastor. If it's your first time here, we hope it's not your last time here. If you've been here a long time, so through this series, we've just been challenging kind of the concept that there are things in our culture that really they have told us, hey, it's no big deal. Everybody, everybody tells white lies. Hey, everybody gossips, you know, a little. Everybody Cussing, I mean, it's just kind of what's, what's going on. We live in a culture of cussing. And so we've kind of tackled these topics, and we've just reached the conclusion from God's perspective that there are some things in our life that, that really are a big deal, that as Christ followers, we shouldn't just be aware of things that how it influences us and influences our heart, but really how God uses us to influence the world that we live in. So we just have to be aware. So today, I'm going to give us, as we jump in, and we're going to move at a pretty quick clip because time's ticking. So if you're taking notes, we're going to go through a lot of scripture, more than usual on a Sunday, but we're going to move through this. But I'm going to give you three choices. I want you to pull these up. Here are three choices on the viewpoint of can a Christ follower drink alcohol? It's three, three options. And Actually, there's, there's four. Four is not up here, but three options that as you're sitting here that you can consider. Here are three options. One, and I'm going to ask you if you're on board with this. I'm going to put everybody out there today. Y'all ready to get out there? Everybody's like, uh-uh. Here's, here's, here's position number one. Can a Christ follower, can someone who loves Jesus drink, consume alcohol? Position number one is prohibition. Prohibition. That means that you think that alcohol is evil, and if you are a Christ follower, if you love Jesus, you can't touch it, shouldn't touch it, like stay away from it. No way, it's not even an option. If you're here and you hold a prohibition point of view, I want you to lift your hand. You just believe it's evil and you should never drink it ever. Come on, man up. Oh, this is about to get bad down here. There's like six of you. I can't, Charlie, I can't believe you raised your hand. That's. Okay, number two, it's okay. No, I appreciate, I appreciate it. So option number two, stance number two is uh, abstention, which means this, that we, we choose to abstain, which means this, that we as Christ followers can drink alcohol, but we choose not to for, for reasons, but we can drink it, but we choose not to drink it. How many people here are kind of the abstention point of view? Now, not just for you, you believe it's for Christ followers across the board. Raise your hand, real high. I'm getting nervous. There's a lot of Presbyterians up in this church. All right, moderation, moderation, which means that you believe that you believe that 
not only is it okay to drink, it's, it's okay to drink in moderation. If that's your point of view, I want you to lift a hand real high. A lot of Catholics, Presbyterians, <laughs> far less Baptists in here than I thought. Option number four is confusion. Like, you're just not really sure what you believe. It's okay. <laughs> or you are too scared to raise your hand for the first three. Raise your hand. <laughs> How many people didn't raise their hand because you're just too stinking lazy? Are you kidding me? Come on. So here, here are the positions. Now, listen, watch this. Watch. This, this is so big. So, again, what I want you to see is that there are different positions. There are different points of view. There are different ways to tackle it. And what we have to do, we have to understand is my, my goal and your goal is just to, we just have to know what we believe. Like, you just need to know what you believe. Because we live in a culture and we live in a society that has different opinions across religious, non-religious boundaries and lines, depending on where you were raised, what country you were raised in, what time you were raised in, what home you were raised in, what religious denomination you were raised in. Like, there's like all these different points of view. And, 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 and I'm here just to tell you that I think it's important that you just know what you believe and you know why you believe it. It's just important that, that if you get new information, are you all tracking me? And you get conviction of the Holy Spirit that you're willing to change positions. But I don't think anybody should ever change a position because someone tries manipulation or condemnation, okay? So my goal is not to manipulate. My, my goal here is, is only to give you information with the help of the Holy Spirit, maybe some conviction, so you'll just be aware of some things. Now, if you come from a Baptist background especially, and I'm not picking on anybody, but especially Baptists, they have an argument, when, an argument when it comes to the topic of alcohol to try to kind of maneuver through some difficult scriptures. They'll try to use this argument, with, well, hey, in Scripture, this is their argument, that in Scripture, anytime it seems to approve of alcohol, it's un, or, yeah, grape juice, wine, it's unfermented. So if the Bible is talking about wine in a positive light, it's, it's not wine you could get drunk. It's unfermented grape juice. And maybe you have a Baptist background. I just want you to tell you, I just want to tell you that that position cannot be held. If you study the Bible at all, um, as it talks about wine in Scripture, you cannot tell from one reference of wine to the next reference of wine if it's unfermented or fermented. But I'll show you, for those who hold the position possibly, if you've been in church for a while, that any mention of wine in Scripture is unfermented. I'm just going to show you just one example. I can give you lots, but just one real quick. Here's a, here's a story. Let me, let me back up. Back up. I'm sorry. H- hang where we are. Let's, let's look at this Scripture real quick. Romans chapter 14, verse 5. I need to give you this. Everyone read this with me. In the same way, some think one day is more holy than another day, while others think every day is alike. You should each be fully convinced that whichever day you choose is acceptable. In the New Testament, there was an argument that Jews who grew up celebrating Jewish holidays, that when you became a Christian, you had to still celebrate that there were special holy days. Jesus abolished the law, and we walk under the covenant of grace. So there was this argument. Some days were important, some days weren't. What Paul is saying is, hey, if you think a day's important, go ahead and think it's important. If you think every day's the same, go ahead and think every day's the same. But at the end of the day, you just need to choose what's acceptable. Now the question comes up, so pastor, are you telling us that we can just pick and choose? That truth is a buffet line, that we can believe whatever we want? Here's what I want to tell you. That there are some things in the realm of truth that are non-negotiable if you're a Christ follower. There are things that we should keep in a closed hand, that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, 
that he came, that he was born of a virgin, that he lived a perfect life, he died a sacrificial death, he rose bodily from the grave, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, there is one God, triune person. Like there are things that we believe that all men are sinners, that every person is lost, that only Christ is the answer. There are some things that I believe, I don't know if you believe, and I believe biblically they're in a closed hand. They're not open for debate. Is there y'all tracking with me? But there are some things that I hold in an open hand. Like we can, I won't divide, but we can debate about. We can debate about your view of Revelation, post-trib, pre-trib, mid-trib. We can debate about the gifts of the Spirit. We can debate about water baptism, whether you get dipped or sprinkled in the name of Jesus, in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We can debate about that stuff. The problem is, the problem is, some of you want to put everything in this hand. And if everything's in this hand, you're a legalist. Some of you want to put everything in this hand. Everything's open for debate. If you do that, you're a liberal. There are some things as Christ followers that God's word makes abundantly clear. There is no gray. It's white or black, and it's in this hand. But there are some things, and I believe alcohol falls in the right hand. Don't get mad at me. Some of you, your religion is going <laughs> to... Don't do it. I just believe we can debate. Can we just debate today? Can we just talk about it? So here's the thing. So let me jump back in. So again, some people hold the position that wine was always unfermented. Let's just jump into one of my favorite characters in the Bible. His name was Noah. Check this out. After the flood, y'all read this with me. After the flood, Noah began to cultivate the ground. You know what happened when you cultivate the ground. And he planted a vineyard. You know what? You get it out of vineyard. You get grapes. And from grapes, you get wine, grape juice. Some of you Baptists on me. And one day, he drank some wine that he had made and became how can you get drunk off unfermented wine? Okay, so I'm just telling you that there are plenty of references in Scripture where wine is fermented. You can get drunk from it. And he lay naked inside his tent because, listen, when you get drunk, you can do some crazy stuff. And I could just end the message there. I should, but we won't. So here's the thing. Listen, three positions. Again, prohibition, Christians cannot and should never, alcohol is evil. Abstention, we can, but we shouldn't for whatever reason. Or moderation, we can and we do as long as it's in moderation. Here's what I want you to know. Number one, as you read through Scripture, prohibition is not found in Scripture. Now, I'm, I'm, listen to what I'm about to tell you. I don't like this answer. I'm just telling you, I don't like this. I wish I could point Jesus followers to a Scripture that says, don't drink ever. And I'm going to give you lots of reasons today why. But as your pastor, I'm bound to the truth of Scripture. And for you that hold a prohibition point of view, you cannot sustain your point of view biblically. It's not there. In fact, on the contrary, what you'll find in Scripture is that those who, especially in the Old Testament, if you had a lot of wine, it was indicative that you had the blessing of God on your life. Like if you had a big wine cellar, you were blessed by God. Well, nobody has a big wine cellar just to kind of keep wine in the cellar. Every now and then you bring it upstairs. Come on, y'all, hang with me. Y'all getting way too serious on me. Help me. So, in fact, here's, 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 here's the scripture in, in the book of Proverbs. Check this out real quick. In the book of Proverbs, jump down here. It tells us that wine, watch this, um, back, back up all the way up top. I'm sorry. This is scripture. This is my fault. So, there's a scripture that tells us that ultimately that, that vines that are, that are wine, that wine vats that are full of wine, again, is that God's prospering us, that God's blessing us. In the Old Testament, a lot of the sacrifices that were made 
was made with wine, that they celebrated with wine. The Passover, we just celebrated as Christ followers throughout the Old Testament. For generations, they drank wine. Jesus, at the Last Supper, he grabbed a cup of wine. Now, we don't use wine because some of you would bogart and not pass it. So we use little cups of grape juice. So I'm just telling you, Jesus, in fact, you know, Jesus was accused of being a drunkard. Now, possibly that was just totally made up, but I believe at least that Jesus drank wine. And, but we know Jesus didn't get drunk because Scripture is clear. He, was, he never sinned. He was without sin. He was spotless. But I just want you to know that, again, that as you look through Scripture, you cannot hold up kind of this position that prohibition is like should be a stance because it's not there biblically. In fact, there are hundreds of references of alcohol in Scripture. When I say alcohol, it's referred to as beer, wine, strong drink, things like that. Here's a couple of the references you'll find, not Scriptures, but some are neutral references. Like it's just a, it's just a casual point in a story. It doesn't, doesn't mean anything. It's just mentioned. Wine was there, you know, whatever. Some of them are normal references, which means it was normal to find wine at a sacrifice. It was normal to find wine at the dinner table. It was normal to find wine. It was every day to find it uh, during the Passover. Some of them are approval references. Again, an approval reference is the reference saying, hey, like, if you have wine, it's, it's, an, it's a picture of God's blessing in your life. There are some of them that are abuse references, like the one I gave you of Noah, like, the point of alcohol being mentioned in the story shows that people abused alcohol and then made bad decisions. Here's the, here's, here's the majority of scriptures you will find. Warning references. That alcohol is mentioned, strong drink is mentioned, wine is mentioned, and it is mentioned in the context of God's wisdom and God's truth shouting to people who claim to know him and follow him, Hey! Warning! Like, watch out! Like, so prohibition is not a biblical stance. You can hold it as a personal stance, but it's not a biblical stance. But when you start moving into this situation with alcohol, you start finding a lot of warnings. In fact, as you read the abundance of Scripture, one of the things that you'll find is absolutely clear that nobody can debate on is that while uh, consuming alcohol is an acceptable biblical position for a Christ follower, drunkenness is absolutely out of bounds. Getting drunk is no go. Getting drunk is sin. In fact, let me just drop some scripture on you. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. This is kind of crazy. Don't you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't fool yourselves. Don't live a lifestyle and justify the lifestyle and be wrong. Here's some lifestyles. Watch this. Those who indulge in sexual sin or who worship idols or who commit adultery or male prostitutes, or practice homosexuality. Verse 10, read it with me. Or are thieves, or greedy people, or drunkards, or abusive, or cheap people. None of these will inherit the kingdom of God. So you find, watch this, this is so big. When you ask the question, Pastor, is it okay for me to drink alcohol and be a Christian? Like, oh, those two things. I just want you to know that Scripture is clear that prohibition really is not a stance but what you find is all of these warnings, all of these red lights, all these blinking alarms, all these things telling us, hey, be careful, because at the end of the day, while it seems that God is saying alcohol is acceptable, abuse and drunkenness is absolutely sin and over the line. In fact, specifically, God warns not, not just 
Christian people or religious people, but all people, everybody gets this warning found in Proverbs chapter 20, verse 1. Read these with me. Wine and beer make people loud and uncontrollable, and it's not wise to get drunk on them. Like, I'm just telling you, you drink, you're going up some decibels. That's just, that's just a fact. Not just is it unwise for everyday people to drink alcohol, but here's a scripture specifically for Christians. Come on, read it with me. Ephesians 5.18. Don't be, y'all got to say this again. Don't be drunk with wine. And that's, some of you, some of you are looking for an exclusion there. Like, I'm good. I like beer anyways. This is alcohol. <laughs> Just don't be drunk is the focus, not the wine. Don't be drunk with wine because that'll ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. So we shouldn't be under the influence of alcohol or drugs in general. We should be under the influence of the Spirit of God leading and influencing our lives. So again, we get this scripture that, like, in general, humanity, like, we should maybe just be aware that getting drunk is, is out of bounds, that being involved with alcohol, there's a lot of things to consider there. As Christ followers, don't be drunk. It's not an option. Don't be drunk as Christian leaders. So you know this. One of the things that people who sign, they sign a contract to stand on this platform is that they're not going to drink alcohol in public. Now, some of you don't like that. But because I believe Christian leaders, as a pastor, I'm held to a higher standard. Our elders, our deacons, our trustees, we are held to a higher standard. In fact, here's what Paul says about Christian leadership. Listen to this. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 2. He says, so an elder, that, that would be me as the, as the chief elder of this house, so an elder must be a man whose life is above reproach. He must be faithful to his wife. I got it, babe. He must exercise self-control most of the time, lives wisely, and has a good reputation. Keep going. He must enjoy having guests in his home, and he must be able to teach. He must be, not be a heavy drinker. Not just not a drinker, just not a heavy drinker. Or be violent. He must be gentle, not quarrelsome, and not love money. Keep going. This is now next level leadership. In the same way, deacons must be well-respected and have integrity. They must not be heavy drinkers or dishonest with money. So you find all of these, like, again, it just keeps saying, hey, here's the position. Here's what you need to pay attention to, that, that prohibition is not a biblical stance. Moderation seems to be the default position of Scripture. Again, moderation would seem to be the default position of Scripture. It's like God is saying, okay, alcohol is acceptable. Excess and abuse is unacceptable. And so if you're here and you raise your hand for prohibition, you might just want to just kind of reevaluate. I'm not telling you to drink. I'm not asking you to drink. If that's your position and that's your conviction, I said up front, you just need to know what it is and hold it, okay? But if you're here and you're like moderation and you raise your hand right now, you're probably pretty excited. Because you're like, yeah, we're good. Because moderation, as you read the totality of Scripture, seems to be the default position. But here's, are you all ready? I want you all to do this. Get your right hand and do this. I want you all to buckle up because I got about 15 minutes. I ain't even close to done yet. Buckle up. So moderation would seem to be the biblical position, but here's what I want you to do. I want you to consider moving from moderation to abstention. If you're here and you're like, hey, Pastor Steve, like, I think it's okay to drink, and I, I'm, I'm okay drinking, and you said it as long as we don't get drunk, and I don't get drunk, but I ha you know, I, like, I'll drive, I have a beer or two on the weekend watching the game, or I'm okay having a glass of wine out to dinner, or, you know, like, it's, like, it's just like that's how we were raised, and it's okay. I'm just telling you, if that's your position, and, and you're convinced that's your position, it's cool. But as your pastor, I want to challenge you to consider moving 
from it's okay for Christians to drink and I drink to abstention, it's okay for Christians to drink, but we choose not to. And I'm going to give you a couple reasons why. Y'all track with me. Everybody shout amen. amen. Okay, I just want to make sure y'all are here. Number one, here's the number one reason why I think you should consider the position of abstention, and that is my position. Because, number one, I think drunk can be relative. Drunk can be relative. When the Bible says don't get drunk with wine, let me ask you a question. Who decides if you're drunk? Because all of a sudden, it's like this big gray area. Because I'm just telling you, I've watched lots of episodes of Cops because I'm all down with someone getting tackled on some asphalt. (laughs) I've never seen anybody ever pulled over for a DUI, and the guy's like, yeah, I've had totally too much to drink. I should not be. Like Everybody's like, yeah, I've had one or two or four or potato. I'm fine, Ossifer. Like this. So here's the thing. Watch, watch. Y'all got, you, listen, if you're here and you drink, here's something that you have to wrestle with the ground. God's word has made it clear that for a Christ follower to be drunk, it is out of bounds. Here's the question. Who decides if you're drunk? Here's just a couple things to think about. Do you know it depends in this nation what state you're in, if they decide if you're drunk or not? Because some states used to be 0.10. Now most of them are 0.08. Here's a funny thing. It's .08 if you're driving a regular vehicle. It's .04 if you're driving a commercial vehicle, which means you can be drunk in a truck but not in a car. Listen, I'm just telling you, y'all can't stand before God in heaven and be like, but I wasn't driving a bus full of kids. I was in a car. God's going to be like, you got me on a technicality. Right? I mean, it's just, so y'all just need to know this, that it's when the Bible says don't be drunk, the word drunk, here's a, here's a crazy one. You ready? The word drunk means tipsy. If you are under the influence at all, you've crossed the line. And I'm just saying something that offends our father, something that should be out of bounds, something that, like, it's very gray. It's not black and white. Or certainly we're not willing to admit it's black and white maybe as it is. I think maybe we need to take another look at it and say, like, why should I play with those lines? Like, if I gave you, like, I'm all about some chocolate chip, hot, fresh out of the oven, like the chips are still melted. Anybody here down with some of them big chocolate chips? Now, if I said there's some dog poop in the first half, but you can eat the, like, you can eat the front half, but just, just don't get too close to the back half. How many people here would get as close as you could? You'd be like, no, I'm good. I'm good. I like chips ahoy anyways. But why is it like, hey, you can drink, and you're like, I'm going to see how close to the line I can get till I can no longer walk the line. It's crazy. So I'm just telling you that moderation seems to be the default position of Scripture, but as Christ followers and the culture we live, I just think maybe, just maybe, that we should consider moving from moderation to abstention. Here's another reason. Here's another reason. It's because alcohol destroys lives. Like if we just had real honest conversations in this, in this room, we don't have to move outside of this room. There are families and individuals in this room that your marriage, your job, your money, your sanity, your relationships are on edge because of alcohol use in your life. As a pastor, I counsel people. I see people who say, hey, it's... It's like, it just start, like I just started drinking, like I didn't think anything was wrong with it, you know, and, you know, like, I don't, I don't know, all of a sudden it just got out of control because that's what happens with alcohol. Sometimes it just gets out of control. 
Did you know that one half of all violent crimes in our nation, alcohol is connected to? Alcohol use is connected to? So I'm just saying that we know lots and lots of people who made really bad decisions, like lives are destroyed because of alcohol, something that destroys and upsets so many marriages, homes, lives, jobs. And you don't see the mindset is like, like we're on skid grow. No, there are a lot of functioning alcoholics. And so I just think something that damages so much potential in the hearts of humanity should be something that at least we should consider far more or far less lightly than we currently do. Like I remember, so some of you don't know my testimony, so I grew up in a home without Jesus, grew up in a home without church. I have great parents. They raised us to be moral people, but not church people, certainly not Jesus people. I love my parents. They're great people, man. We had a great childhood growing up. But I'm just telling you that I grew up very active in drugs and alcohol. And uh, like you, so I'm just telling you, you make bad decisions. You make bad decisions. Like I, as a teenager, like I was drinking and driving a lot. Wrecked a lot of cars as a teenager, most of those because I was drinking. Thankfully, I wasn't killed, and I didn't kill anybody else. Like, I remember one night I came, well, I don't really remember one night, but they tell me. <laughs> like, some of you, that's your story. Like, I remember what they told me. You know, I just remember coming, kind of coming home one night, and, like, I passed out on the couch. And in the morning, I woke up, and my first memory when I woke up was, did I pee in the refrigerator? <laughs> was that a dream, or did that happen? So I called my mom at work. I'm like, hey, mom. This is what she said. She's like, we'll talk when I get home. And I was like, it happened. I'm just telling you, normal people don't urinate in the refrigerator. But alcohol destroys lives and costs marriages and kids and jobs and money and life and relationship with God. And we have, we have places where people are trying to recover Places our church, we give money to to help people trapped in the trap in the addiction of alcohol because I'm just telling you, my capacity, like, listen, I'm good. I'm never going to get addicted. You don't know that. I'm never going to cross the line. You don't know that. I think it's so easy to cross the line of being, like, just drinking the tipsy to drunk and, like, we get there, not just maybe drunk but drunk too often, too much, and, like, all of a sudden our life is being impacted. I'm just telling you, I think as a Christ follower, like, we should just reconsider maybe moving from moderation, which is okay. I believe it's a biblical position to abstention because there's so much on the line. Here's what the Scripture says. Listen to this. I love this. Proverbs 23, 29. Y'all got to read this. A little bit of Scripture, but it's good. Who has anguish? Who has sorrow? Who is always fighting? Who is always complaining? Who has unnecessary bruises? Who has bloodshot eyes? Aren't those a lot of good questions? Well, it tells us. Keep going. It is the one who spends long hours in the taverns trying out new drinks. Don't gaze at the wine seeing how red it is or how it sparkles in the cup or how smoothly it goes down. It's saying don't let your attention be captured by the lure of alcohol. Keep going. It says, for in the end, it bites like a poisonous snake, and it stings like a bite. Hey, man, like we were just having a good time. Like, I cannot tell you how many stories I've heard of people who got DUIs, people who were hurt badly or lost their lives because of alcohol, who had started off fun, it started off innocent, but in the end, it bites like a poisonous snake, and it stings like a viper. Verse 33. You will see hallucinations. Some of you, I know that's your goal, but we don't want to. You'll see hallucinations, and you'll say crazy things. Verse 34, you will stagger like a sailor, tossed at sea, clinging 
to the swaying mass. Last verse. And you will say, they hit me, but I didn't feel it. Isn't that awful? I didn't even know it when they beat me up. When will I wake up so I can look for another drink? So I'm just telling you that if you're here in your position, you raise your hands, you're, you're okay with moderation, I think, okay. But I think just as Christ follows, we should just possibly consider another position. Here to me as your pastor is one of the most important reasons I think we should consider moving from moderation to abstention is this reason right here. Is alcohol impacts influence? Is alcohol impacts influence? Everybody say that. Alcohol impacts influence. You are here and I'm here to be impacted by the presence of God to change and through Jesus impact this world and see others around us change. And I believe that we lose the capacity to influence on the level we need to when we involve ourselves in alcohol, especially in public. So I just think we ought to consider it. Here's what the Bible says. Check this out. It says, and if another believes, I'm sorry, if another believer is distressed by what you eat, you are not acting in love if you eat it. Don't let your eating ruin someone for whom Christ died. Now, stop. In the New Testament, one of the big arguments for the new church, for all these new people who came to Jesus, like there was people who would go into the market, like they didn't have, they, they didn't have Walmart. Like you would go shopping in the marketplace. And in the marketplace, you can get your fruits and you can get your vegetables and you can get your meat. A lot of the meat that you would get in the market, it came from somewhere. And typically, a lot of the meat in the market would come from idol-worshiping temples where they would sacrifice animals to idols. And New Testament Christians were like, and this is what the Bible says, there are no other gods. There's God and everything else is demons. Like that's what the Word says. So some Christians were like, how can you eat meat sacrificed to a demon? And other Christians were like, it's just meat. Like it's just a hamburger. You know what I'm saying? So there was this debate like you can't eat the meat. Some were saying you can't eat the meat. Here's what Paul said. Paul said, hey, you can eat the meat, but if it's causing another believer to stumble, if it's causing another believer like to struggle in the relationship, then he said, I think like don't let your eating ruin someone else for whom Christ died. Keep going. Verse 21. It is better, come on, read this. It is better not to eat meat or drink wine. Y'all are way quiet today. Or drink wine or do anything else if it might cause another believer to stumble. Here's what Paul's saying. Paul's saying if you're a Christ follower, you're not under the law, you're under grace. It's not about what we do or don't do to please God. We are pleasing to God because of Jesus and his sacrifice for our life and putting our trust in him. So therefore, it's not whether you eat or drink. It's not what you eat or drink that makes you pleasing to God. What makes us pleasing to God is the sacrifice of Jesus and us putting our trust in what he's done for us. However, so this is so big. He's saying, I just want you to know that you have freedom. Like, you can do it. But what I want you to know is he's saying, listen, if, if your freedom, if you're, if you're executing your freedom and it's costing someone else, you're being selfish. Because there's this thing that happens. Everybody knows that, like, as we grow, how many people know that there is this tension between freedom and responsibility. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Like anybody here remember when like you got old enough, like when you're 18 or 19 and mom and dad can't make you go to school? They can't make you like go to class. Like I, you can skip class in college. You can go to class. Your parents don't know. They're paying for it. My kids skip class. I'm beating them, but because I pay for it. But like you can decide like I don't have to go to class, but you feel the responsibility like you got to go to class, right? Anybody know that tension of you can skip work now? Can't nobody make you go to work? But now you feel the responsibility because now you got the bills and there's the weight of responsibility, like you got to make it happen. 
Anybody here remember when you couldn't wait to get older? You could stay out as late as you want. But now you got a job and you got to pay the rent, so you, you feel like, like, I better go home and get to bed so I get at least three hours sleep. Anybody know what I'm talking about? So there is this tension between freedom and responsibility. Here's what Paul's addressing. Paul's saying, you have the freedom to drink. You can drink and don't get drunk, but you have the freedom in Christ. But we also have responsibility. We also have responsibility in how others who struggle with alcohol, how does our drinking impact them? How does it impact our weaker brother who causes them to stumble? How does it impact our influence in reaching other people for Jesus? Because I got a secret for all of you. In our culture, even though God's word makes it clear that we can drink in moderation, I'm just telling you, today's people looks at people who claim to know Jesus and they drink, it disqualifies us. Let me say this. If you write anything down, you can write this down. So while certain things, particularly alcohol, while certain things may not disqualify you from Christ, those same things, if they're in your life, can disqualify Christ from someone else's life. If they see that in your life, they're going to be like, I don't want your Jesus. And I think we ought to just be aware of that. I think we just ought to know it. In fact, your freedom to drink should be governed by your responsibility to influence. Here's what Paul said. This is, this is kind of cool. Listen to this. He says, for we are taking pains to do what is right, not only in the eyes of the Lord. So if you're here and you're like, hey, pastor, you said moderation's good. And as long as God thinks it's good, we're good. But watch what he says. Not just in the eyes of the Lord, but also in the eyes of men. So how does the culture you live in view your position? Now, this might seem really weird to you. I'm just going to tell you, I had a conversation with, uh, with my staff about a year ago, sat down, and I just was addressing, like, we're here as a pastoral staff, we're here as Christ followers to influence this community. And I challenged my staff. I said, do not compromise your influence in this community. Don't be on my staff and do it. Don't be in this church and do it. So you need to pay attention to how you live, not just in the eyes of God, but in the eyes of men, to make sure you are not compromising or degrading your integrity in this community. And here's what I told them. I have a stance. My family has a stance. My wife and I, we don't watch rated R movies. Now, you do what you want with that. I'm just telling you, we don't watch rated R movies. So I told my staff, I want you, if you want to go to a rated R movie, like there's this movie, like I just got to see it. It's amazing. I'm gonna, go to Huntsville and see it. Do not walk in this theater in a rated R movie. Do you know why? Because I have bigger battles to fight than trying to explain, hey, pastor, like why did one of our staff pastors go in to see Eyes Wide Shut? Okay, not that, but you know what I'm talking Like it's just not worth that conversation. So you're saying, well, isn't that hypocritical to hide it? No, it's not hypocritical because moderation is the default position, but we ought to consider abstention not just because how it influences this, but how it influences this. And if it impacts and limits our influence in the world of impacting people for Christ, it's not worth it. One more thing. Are you all with me? You all with me? Here's, here's a good one right here. Watch this. Judging someone else's position of legalism. So if you're here and you're still a prohibitionist, we're good. If you're here and you're still like in, like you're for abstaining, we're good. If you're here for moderation, it's good. But don't look at someone who doesn't hold your position and judge them. Here's what Bible says. Watch this. Accept others, accept other believers who are weak in faith and don't argue with them about what they think is right or wrong. Verse 2. For instance, one person believes it's all right to eat anything, but another believer with a sensitive conscience will only eat vegetables. Verse 3, 
Those who feel free to eat anything must not look down on those who don't. So if you feel like it's okay to drink in moderation, don't look down on people who hold the prohibition point of view. And those who don't eat certain foods, if you're here and you think you shouldn't drink, must not condemn those who do. For God has accepted them. I remember I read an article. Man, I'm so far out of time. I remember, so I read this article. This was about three years ago. I opened up this magazine, and I was flipping through, and it was an article this guy wrote, and he said that he traveled. He was a manager of a lot of very contemporary Christian bands. And he was talking about, his point was, after these big Christian shows, like they would lead these worship songs, and they would, you know, stand up, and like all these Christians would come and lift their hands and sing, and people would cry and get saved, people snotting all over the place. And he said it was amazing, all these Christians. But when it was over, the manager said these Christian bands, not just, not just one, but several, but he was highlighting one that every, at, after every show, they would pack up and they would go to the bar and drink. And I remember reading this like, I wonder who it is. I can't believe it. Like, I can't believe they're going out. They said they love Jesus, and they're going out to the bar. And, man, I was getting all self-righteous, and I was getting all judgmental and critical. And, like, he goes all the way, and he's detailing, like, how much they would drink. And, like, they would just go every night. And I'm like, I just can't wait. I'm going to find out who it is. I ain't never buying another CD from them ever. <laughs> and he got to the end of the article, and this is, like, it was just a dagger. I mean, this guy set me up from the gate. He's like, now, some of you are wondering who the band is I'm talking about. This is in the article. And I'm not going to tell you who it is because that's not the point of the article. The point of the article is if you're reading this and you just want to know who it is because you're judging them and you're condemning them, you're the problem, not them. And I was like, oh. I was like, Shauna, read this. You must not condemn them. So listen, if you leave here and you walk into Rosie's and someone's got a beer, get over it. As your pastor, don't hide it from me because the Lord sees. <laughs> but I'm just telling you, for something that God says, like, borders on our salvation. Drunkards don't inherit the kingdom of God. It limits our influence. It destroys lives. Drunk is a really fuzzy, hairy, gray thing. I just think it would be smart to abstain. So the, the, the answer to the question isn't can we or can't we. The answer is, should we or shouldn't we? Here's what Paul said. Live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. Not can I drink this? Is it wise to drink in this place? Is it wise to drink with this group of people? Is it wise to drink knowing what's on the line? Is it wise? Is it wise? Everybody ask that question. Is it wise? 